Is is that an elk? I don't get it. Yeah, welcome back, everybody, including myself, Paul uh, Bledoff. Yes, that uh, was a nice long vacation you had, Paul. It was pretty sweet. Um, <laughs> and you are Fonda Mithrush. Yes! Um, you are an experienced uh, voice about dance in the community, and I am not. And yes. so we have paired together to try and uh, put your experience and my innocence uh, to work together uh, to talk about dance in Edmonton. Basically, we talk about how you don't get it all the time. It's true. I often <laughs> don't. Um, but but here we are. Yeah, so this for this episode, we saw um, two shows. One was called Dance Lassa Dance, mm-hmm. which I saw at the Arden Theater um, earlier this week. Right, I couldn't go. Yeah. Um, but I could go to the other one, uh, which was a, a program by the Alberta Ballet uh, presented by the Brian Webb Dance Company called Up Close, um, which... Uh, as its name said, sort of uh, put us in a smaller theater than we usually see ballet in, um, and uh, and uh, peeled back layers. There were a lot of naked male bodies, <laughs> mostly naked male bodies. It was um, great. It was it was uh, in- intimidating. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, and apparently it's been going on for a few years in Calgary, but this is the first time they've brought it to Edmonton. Um, I can't imagine it will be the last time, given the the, the ticket sales it featured, but and the, and I guess the content as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, the Brian Webb Company, which is presenting up close this year, I think would be um, it would be uh, great for them to bring it back because we overall really enjoyed the show, and I think the audience did too. So um, we can start with Dance Lasa Dance. Mm-hmm. So um, again, this was a tribute in memory of Lassa de Sela, um, who passed away of cancer at quite a young age of 37. Um, she was very well loved in the Montreal community. So um, a group, uh, Pierre-Paul Savoie, gathered a group of Montreal choreographers and dancers and musicians and singers and put together this um, rather great show um, okay. in tribute to Lassa using 19 of her own songs. 19, that's that's a lot of songs. Yeah, um, and they're, they're pretty, like, actually conventionally um uh conventionally structured songs so there's sure. you know verse chorus verse and uh, they're all really quick they're all maybe three or four minutes long at the most and um so the dance pieces that were accompanying each uh song were actually uh quite quick everything moved along at a good clip there was no banter it was just almost kind of like uh Cirque du Soleil show really where there's act followed by another act followed by another right. act so and you never really got the chance to kind of get tired of one thing or another because all of the styles were so varied and um, and interesting. Styles really. of dance that were being sort of paired with these pieces of music. Yeah, and each of the singers too had their own interpretations of the songs, uh, so it was all, it was it was actually just a really kind of neat grab bag of Montreal talent. Okay. Uh, uh, quite a rare opportunity to see choreography, choreography from uh, like Helene Blackburn and um, Pierre-Paul Savoie and Edgar Zendejas, like, and Miriam Allard, who was just fantastic, um, all together, all in one night. It was is quite a treat in, right. in that way. Okay, and I guess you you've already touched on a, a number of those, but but what were some some of the pieces that really stood out for you within that sort of grab bag of of everything? Everything that every moment that Miriam Allard was on stage was 
freaking magical. Okay. Now, now what made it magical? <laughs> um, Miriam is a flamenco dancer from okay. Montreal, so she choreographed as well as performed her own pieces. She actually opened the show um, kind of in the shadows almost. She was wearing all black. She wasn't wearing a tr traditional flamenco dress. She was just wearing black pants and a black top, but she had these blue, like indigo blue shoes. Um, and flamenco, of course, uh, uses a lot of percussion uh, with the feet, so you could see just just these flashes of these blue shoes and she was just totally fantastic. She made me want to move to Seville and oh, like quit yeah. my life here and just be a flamenco dancer. Amazing. Um, she, yeah, and I mean, flamenco itself is so um, passionate and raw that, uh, you know, every gesture she made and every, every kind of gaze that she kind of she let out to the audience was just really captivating. Um, she did two other pieces in the show. Um, one was to a song called A Fish on Land, uh, which was sung by Alexandre Desilets. I think that's how you say his right. name. Or Desilets. Mm -hmm. um, he uh, he was a great singer. He had a really interesting style. I almost I he it made the show made me want to look him up and and try and find some of his stuff. Um, but she did a piece with him. Uh, and in flamenco, the the percussion and the feet is meant to accompany the guitarist. Right. So. Um, when Allard was dancing uh, with his singing, they had this really neat um, like eye contact exchange with each other, and she's just making these rhythms and stuff as he was singing. It was a really beautiful song, a uh, great piece. Uh, actually, it made me cry. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, and then uh, the last, actually, Alexandre Desilets had another really, really good song where he just performed as a solo. There was no dance accompaniment. Um, but the song was called De Cara a, a la Pared. And it's a Spanish song, really, really beautiful song, which he sang almost entirely in falsetto. Mm -hmm. um, and was incidentally featured on an episode of The Sopranos. Ah, his his version of it? No, Lasa okay. Desilets' okay. uh, version right, of original. it. Yeah, but which was so. So as I was hearing the song, I thought, where do I know that from? Because I know all of the Sopranos backwards right. and forwards, of course. Um, but yes, yeah, so that was another great moment in the show. Um, I wanted to ask, um, to jump in, sorry. Mm -hmm. um, I guess most uh, dance uh, soundtrack isn't necessarily pop music. It's more, mm -hmm. it's more a score. It's more like a, a created soundscape that the, the dancer sort of, it sets the mood and the dancer sort of works within that. What was it like to see so many different, I guess, styles of dance paired with sort of traditionally structured pop songs. I think that's kind of what really made this show uh, so accessible. Um, after each song of the 19 songs, the audience would break into applause and there was a lot of hooting and hollering. Like, it was received very well. Um, so I think that the music actually was a really good doorway in for the audience to kind of identify with the dance. And also, you know, when you're in a full-length dance show, maybe that's 40 minutes or longer, sometimes you say, all right, I get it. I get the convention, I get what you're trying to do, and it's not changing very much. This really kind of allowed it. To, um, every song was a refresher, and it was um, it was. And there was always something great to watch on stage. There were five musicians on stage as well: uh, grand piano, drums, bass, guitar, and a cellist. And so they were they were fantastic. There was always a singer um, out there accompanying, and then the dance was almost sort of like 
just another kind of compliment to all the work that was actually already happening on right. stage. Which if it's, you know, if it's a, a tribute to a to a singer and a, a songwriter, that seems very apt. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the one of the last pieces in the in the um, show uh, was kind of one of the best as well. Uh, say, it was Anywhere on This Road, sung by Alejandra Rivera. Um, she had this really great throaty voice. Um, and the dance that they did was a duet um, by uh, with Sarah Harton and David Rancourt, um, choreographed by Edgar Zendeja, um, who actually, after seeing the show, I want to look up more of his stuff too. I would love to see him and his company is Danza come to Edmonton. Um, but they did this perform. The duet was performed in uh, in gum boots, in rubber boots, um, and so there was a lot of um, like just percussion on the boots with the hands and that kind of thing. It was really. Um, Kind of reminded me of like Quebecois folk folk dance, like when they do the broom dance. That's yeah. it, it seemed kind of like that rhythm and that feel really came out in that. And uh, the song itself was probably the one of the most beautiful of the night. They have a trailer of it on the PPS website, um, and I think I might post it on our site just so people Sweet. can get a, a taste of what uh, what it looked like and what it sounded like. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Um, good. Well, that was that was one. That was one show. Cool. Yes, years, that was so. one. Yes. And then we can move on to to last night, which we which we were both at, um, the the up close program. Yes, um, presented by the Brian Webb Dance Company um, and produced by Alberta Ballet. Now, Up Close is a program that they've done in Calgary for a couple years already, um, and I'm guessing that it's wildly successful there because yeah. it was completely sold out last night. Right, and I'm, you know, I think it was pretty obvious to as to why. Um, not only sort of the opportunity to see ballet much closer, but just um, you know, the pieces were all I thought of a of a really uh, interesting uh, caliber and, and diverse and sort of interesting take on I guess the mostly male body um, there mm -hmm. was one there was one female dancer in the second piece but yes. <laughs> everything else there was between six and eight uh, male dancers performing these all which you know I, I know you've talked about before is not often the case in ballet often the the men of ballet are sort of relegated to helping with lifts and, yes. and these sorts of <laughs> let me hold you up roles. while you or hold your hand while you spin and do your pirouettes and right so, right so yeah. it was sort of a chance to let them shine as well in their own sort of solos in that style yes and so really uh, interesting and great choreography too by uh, members of the Alberta Ballet Company Yukichi Hattori who in in my humble opinion is one of the most magnetic um, Alberta Ballet performers he's not a really conventional ballet dancer and in terms of his physique he's he's a little guy mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, just watching him perform is is always a treat. Right, mm -hmm. right, right. Yeah, absolutely. The way he, he moves. And he was dancing in the first piece, uh, which he wasn't uh, originally intended to. Yes, there was an injury, uh, last uh, last minute injury. And so um, Ryo Shimizu wasn't able to perform. So Yukichi actually went in um, and performed in his own choreography, which was called Temple. Right, which was, as the, the name implies, sort of this, this interesting look at, I guess, the... Um, how would I say it? I guess the, the routine of sort of ballet and practice and sort of framing that almost religiously in terms of its score and how it was presented to the audience. Yeah, it was sort of, um, you know, like a 
as as we say, a religious practice. Um, the, there's the ballet practice. The ballet dancers start at the bar every morning doing um, very simple bar warm-ups. Um, right, which they stretches. were doing as the audience was coming in. They were already on stage sort of doing these very simple movements um, just while the audience was coming in to sort of set the tone, I guess. Yeah, the, the preset was kind of neat because um, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever seen a show of the ballet before where the dancers were preset on the stage already. Um, and you get to see them in this sort of like intimate, um, private moment, really, where they're um, warming up at the bar. Um, they had four bars set up initially, um, kind of in a, in a, a wheel, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so e- once the piece began, even though they were all sort of doing um, the same movements, the way that the bars were set up, you said it kind of looked like a Busby Berkeley sort <laughs> yeah, of Yeah, <laughs> there was sort of that sense of like uh, synchronized movement. I mean, there wasn't as much, I guess, mirroring or, or fanciful golden age costumes as, mm-hmm. as, as one would expect in the Busby Berkeley. But yeah, it was that sort of synchronicity and sort of people doing these small movements and sort of the, the power of seeing, uh, I guess, a, a lot of people do something small and sort of uh, synchronicity. So yeah, so they they were moving, as the bars were set up, they were moving in a circle kind of around them. Um, and because they were all, you know, facing different directions, facing each other, uh, the way that they performed, it created this sort of sense of architecture around um, the way the body moved and the way that their kind of workout was basically structured. Yeah, yeah. And then they took the bars apart. Yeah, they did. Which was that pretty. Was that was that was a great to see because I mean they were they were metal bars, but then you got to see how the bar was used in a totally different way, even though it's like sort of this functional reality for ballet dancers. They mm-hmm. took these bars apart and used them as apparatus in the dance. Right, so maybe maybe at one, there were points when, you know, several dancers would be holding a bar and someone would be lifting themselves onto it and sort of hoisting themselves above and moving that way, or they would, uh, they would you know, three would lift and the fourth would sort of use the end that was being raised in the air to make these huge leaps across the stage. Yeah, that, that was one of my favorite moments of, the, of Temple was when, mm-hmm. you know, Hattori is hanging on the end of this bar and the rest of the dancers just lift him all mm-hmm. the way across. It was just, yeah, and it was like watching him flying yeah. without, yeah. you know, any, like, suspension or, or kind of conventional theater tricks. It was really neat. Right, right, yeah, and it was sort of, I guess that was the interesting vibe of this, was sort of how it, it moved from sort of, yeah, those traditional sort of, I guess, the setup of the practice and these bars being um, set up and people doing their movements into a more, I guess, whimsical sort of sense of, of the of the, I guess, the religious practice that they were trying to sort of showcase as like an equivalent or sort of the similar feeling of, of a religion to to this ballet practice and, and honing your body and the discipline of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely. And there was this, like, throughout the entire thing, the the piece was scored by uh, Gregorian chants. Yeah, just like a really gr- mm-hmm. gentle Gregorian chant. Yeah, so it mm-hmm. kind of, and all of the, the male dancers were all wearing white. There were seven of them. Um, and the movement, like, the whole piece felt very kind of serene and tranquil. Like, it was just this lovely meditative um, thing or, or idea on on what uh, the ballet body really is and, and kind of what it means to the dancers themselves, how they work on their body every day, and that is um, not only their livelihood, basically, but also kind of their, their, their religion. Their mm-hmm. devotion, their devotion, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, which was, yeah, that, that mood was really an interesting pairing with this, with, with the next piece as well, that was sort of the, the flip side of, of serene and Whoa, calm. yeah. <laughs> ruin, ruin slash time, I believe, yes. is, 
it was ruined time ruined choreographed time. by alexandrus ballard we'll just call him alex ballard because yeah. that was what was in the press release yeah absolutely <laughs> alexandrus great name um, yeah but yeah and and so that um in contrast to that serenity was very um, stark the music was was jagged and and dramatic um, the lighting was very um, reduced there was the the two dancers who were in this piece both began sort of in a very small pool of light which eventually was sort of like flashed a couple times like a heartbeat off the top and then it uh, it eventually did expand to a, a a larger pool of light but it was still a reduced space and these mm-hmm. red feathers would slowly fall yeah the red the feathers was this was just super dramatic um kind of got to the point where it felt a little bit overwrought but I mean because the music was just so like intense um, and um, really like loud bass percussive sort yeah of yeah sound. I guess more so than in in a temple and even in other pieces I've seen the music really was a character and really mm-hmm. took a lot of the focus not just setting the mood of the performance but really was was sort of an integral part of, of I guess emphasizing movement and and action on stage. Mm -hmm. It was, like, I think maybe one word I might use to describe the music and the movement itself was almost grotesque. Mm. Like, it was just very heavy, very kind of nasty and ugly looking. Like, the dancers were frowning throughout the piece. And it was, there was just a lot of aggression. Um, Kelly McKinley and Riley Bell were the dancers in the piece, Mm -hmm. and they they performed very well um, with the intensity. Ugly in a good way. Ugly as a choice. Yeah, yeah. With the, yeah. with the intensity that the music really called for. Um, yeah, I'd say the most interesting things I thought about the piece were that sort of the the moments when they would come together on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, they would they would sort of one would leap onto the other and they would sort of make almost like this weird like a weird monster. Yeah, kind of weird monster shapes. There was one moment I think that really sticks out in my mind even mm-hmm. still today was when um, Riley was standing next to um, Kelly and he grabbed her face basically and turned it upside down and then ran it kind of all the way down one side of his body. Yeah. So she ends up in this weird kind of contorted bent over position. But the just the imagery of that, like it looked like he was pulling her head off. Um, it really stuck with me, though. Yeah, yeah it was interesting because we we sort of talked about how it, it had this sort of dark vibe and and this this apocalyptic sort of sense. But you know, mm-hmm. in the in the actual program, the the description of it is, you know, is is very specific in that in yeah. describing. Yeah, he says that it's um a, a ruined time is a term describing the period of time, historical, geographic, or cultural, in which an artifact, building, or society descends into ruin. Now, when we were watching it, we kind of thought. That it was like this really destructive love story. Yeah, it was like they were just bad being love. bad to yeah. each other. <laughs> but yeah. uh, you know, um, it did feel like they were in a bad world and the like the apocalypse. Sort yeah, of I feeling. guess that that red feathers, or I guess that so many red feathers, sort of slowly falling over the course of it. You know, could be like. You know, a nuclear sort of winter falling, that sort of ashy dust. Sure. Yeah, yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? <laughs> I had to say though, I've seen I've seen a few dance pieces use red feathers, not necessarily falling from the rafters, mm-hmm. but in in hair and stuff like that. Actually, I recall a, a really long time ago a piece by Tanya Alvarado where she had red feathers in her hair. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, the, as soon as I saw the red feathers, I was like, really. Really? More feathers? More feathers. So, yeah. Popular choice. Yeah, yeah. In any case, so that was Ruined Time. And then the second half of the show was an, a world premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, Temple was also a world premiere, but this second world premiere was called The Precise Nature of Catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Um, 
also by Alex Ballet. Right. Who is the uh, ballet master of Alberta Ballet? Yes, he yes. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the pre- precise nature of Catastrophe had, I think, eight dancers in it. Yes, um, yes. Including Yukichi Hattori and um, Kelly McKinley, who, in my mind, were still, like, Stole the show. Well, McKinley did all three pieces tonight. He ran, like, the dance gauntlet of just, like, he was not... He was never not on stage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so, w- go, so watching Ruin Time first and then seeing the um, the precise nature piece, um, you started kind of getting a sense of Alex Ballard's choreographic sensibility. Mm-hmm. Um he likes he he likes to use um, the kind of pretty intense, um, heavy-handed movement. I think he also really likes cat hands. Okay, <laughs> yeah, there were some moments of definite cat hands, with yeah. fingers out, and, you know, uh, wrists locked, wrists limp down. Yeah, and, yeah. and um, but again, this precise nature also featured eight male dancers, and um, the so it opened with a solo uh, featuring Yukichi Hattori, uh, which was really just one of the most stunning moments of the night. I think um, see his musculature. Um, it was it was quite a um, really intense, uh, intimate moment just mm-hmm. with him and his body, really. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. he was sort of, I guess, uh, yeah. And then the the other dancers sort of came out and and put him in a dress. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say uh, for most of this piece, all of the dancers are just sort of in in hot pants, I guess, effectively, just very short shorts. Yeah, little short shorts. Um, and uh, and so so their bodies are very much on display, um, except this sort of this character who was sort of put in this dress, and later on others would be as well. But and then that sort of uh, he just sort of slowly stalked off, sort of in lost in contemplation or or hurt perhaps emotionally. But that mm-hmm. was sort of the vibe, I guess. Yeah, I kind of felt I, I felt that there was a, a really big sense of loss in the mm-hmm. piece. Like it seemed like that uh, Yukichi's character maybe had died or had gone away or something tragic happened. Something that happened, um, yeah. yeah. And I want to bring up again the music for the piece because you mentioned the pop music thing mm-hmm. with the Lhasa. <clears throat> but um, also the music for this piece really kind of reminded me of like early 2000s Moby. Sure, yeah, yeah. It sort of had that like... <laughs> kind of dance, um, trance. Sort of like, of. yeah, chilled out sort of dance hall vibe, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, ballet male dancer bodies are <laughs> pretty incredible. Um, yeah. it, it was pretty impressive just to watch these sorts of bodies in motion um, in a theater the size of the Tims. Um, mm-hmm. We talked, uh, after the show, we talked a lot about their backs. Yeah. Sort of the, mm-hmm. you, you brought up the vulnerability of seeing someone's back. Um, yeah. And to see a, I guess that sort of back, a uh, very muscular, very movement-capable uh, back mm-hmm. um, in motion in a show is, is really uh, uh, profound in its own way. It's very, it's very beautiful. It's got a lot of strength. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a really rarely used convention in mm-hmm. terms of most performance or film or anything. Right, you cheat it's out, kind you of face taboo. Your yeah, yeah, it's kind of taboo to actually like do a shot of the back of the head, which is why it's so kind of disarming to see someone's back and then actually seeing them contort and do these pretty incredible things that not only highlight how incredible their phys- physique is, mm-hmm. um, but 
also just really give you a, a sense of um, yeah like danger and vulnerability and um, yeah that they're they're sharing something quite right. intimate with you yeah it's weird to be like they have expressive backs that's, <laughs> I mean that's sort of what it is their their backs are just as capable of presenting something an idea uh, movement any of those things as as the rest of their body and it's just often not shown because of costume or any other mm-hmm. any other myriad yeah. of reasons and we also talked a little bit about after we left too that seeing the male back is mm-hmm. a little bit um, also kind of even more rare because sometimes you know um, the, um, the nape of a woman's neck or shoulders or back are often right. shown in kind of like a sexualized Backless way or whatever yeah, or, yeah exactly yeah. Um, but to see so to see um, men's backs almost kind of gave it a really different kind of gaze like that sort of male gaze that we always talk about mm-hmm. um, in film and things like that it was uh, was not the gaze that we got that we were was being used when we saw this this piece, which was right, kind of right. great. Yeah, in its own way, there was sort of some some parallels to to temple and sort of tone, I guess. Maybe I found there were some times when I felt like, yeah, it was like it was like you were sort of watching this um, this sort of vulnerability being showcased on stage as these, you know, they would some of them they would do sort of solos and so would, they would dance in sequence and in circles, but often there would sort of be, and this is I guess where it was different from temple. Often there would be one person sort of left out in in some way mm-hmm. um, from from the group whether they were sort of um, yeah yeah whether they were uh, wandering sort of the back and so or off stage or um, there was one moment when the dancers were sort of dancing in a in a moving line that would sort of spin the the I guess uh, radius of the stage and then one of the dancers was sort of running to try and mm-hmm. um, stay in front of that line and to, to move in that way yeah yeah and some doing some really great leaps and turns uh, mm-hmm. while that was all happening some nice barrel rolls and that was again McKinley doing that McKinley. he's great um, the one thing I, I think one of the movement choices that I thought was a little bit odd um, and it came it came up a couple times um, was they they would run in a circle leaning forward with their hands behind their back kind of right. covering their kidneys the dinosaur run. I, yes. I, I see and I thought I, I called it the kidney run so the dinosaur run is definitely better well, you know, maybe less <laughs> um, accurate but so but it just kind of it was a little bit disarming because it kind of was like, is this about back pain? Is this about their kidneys? Or are they trying to be dinosaurs? It was interesting in that moment. um, It was sort of like the movement itself wasn't precise. I guess it was in terms of it was was choreography, but it was very like those sorts of movements were were sort of flourishes. Like Mm -hmm. the arms would sort of go from side to side. The legs that were, when they were sort of doing that movement were sort of kicking out to the sides Yeah, there's kind of only a certain way you can run when you're bent over and you're covering your kidneys. And it just like the it almost was like they kind of lost a little bit of control Mm -hmm. in those points. Um, So that was sort of interesting. But it's um, again sort of a choice that uh, of the movement vocabulary that stuck out for me sure um so yeah i mean i guess in terms of the the alberta ballet um presentation and stuff do you do you feel like you you got you got it this time i feel like i got it i feel like i i i got it certainly what i saw um i got something from even if it wasn't what was in the the program um i came away with sort of a i guess an appreciation for um, for that sort of movement and seeing um, the vulnerability of, of sort of a, a body in motion in, in these ways, like two of them, two of them in sort of a more somber way, and the third one, uh, or I guess the second one, ruined time, um, in a more more dramatic way. But yeah, I'd mm-hmm. say there was a lot of just like 
the tension and vulnerability and sort of exploration of, of the body as a presenting uh, canvas, I guess, to, to maybe blur a metaphor. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> yeah, and in, in all honesty, that opportunity to be up close to um, such uh, physically talented dancers uh, is a pretty neat opportunity. At that point, sometimes you don't really care if there's a story or a narrative or if you get it or not. You're just watching something that's uh, impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, um, I guess that sort of wraps us up for, for this week. Totally. Uh, we want to actually give a couple shouts out and thank some people who have um, reviewed us on iTunes and left comments on our website. Thanks to um, Echo Jen and Jerry thank Marita thank you. for um, continuing on the conversation about Caged that uh, we had with Omar Mualam, which was neat. Um, also for tweeting us and sharing the podcast, Karen Unlin, Christian you. Zip. Thank you. Um, the Peak Dance Center. Thank you. And and Kata West, Thank um, which is the Canadian Alliance of Dance Artists, the Western Division. Um, mm-hmm. So that was pretty neat. Um, in dance news, our friend Denise Clark from One Yellow Rabbit Theatre in Calgary mm-hmm. was given or was awarded the Order of Canada right. um, recently. So uh, super congrats to her and shout out to our friends in Calgary. Um, coming up soon in dance yeah what's holy, what's next holy the bonkers old, paul the there's old. a lot of dance coming up cool it's so like, uh, yeah, yeah yeah the next couple of months are packed yeah well um end of january ish january 22nd mm-hmm. to 25th is the canoe theater festival which is right. featuring uh miles Zero dance in static electric um and you can look at i think it's workshopwest.org for the schedule information for that show mile zero is also doing their second salon which we're gonna go see right. uh called the great depression uh so themes of uh the dirty 30s and mental illness was yeah i sort of paired together yeah. Yeah, and that's on February 1st at La Cité Francophone. And then another show at La Cité uh, that is being presented by Luni Teatre is called Leo, and it is a pure physical theater piece. Uh, no no words in the show at all, that so one. I think we're going to go and mm-hmm. check that out, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Great. Cool. Well, well, thanks for coming back, guys. Happy 2014. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> Bye. The I Don't Get It podcast is recorded under a table in a blanket fort in an apartment in Edmonton, Alberta. It was recorded and edited by Andrew Paul. Our theme song is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more about Ghibli at ghibli.bandcamp.com.